Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. All right. Hey, thanks, Dev. Thank you, Devin. Devin, you, you handled that great. You know, I, I appreciate all that. It's good to see you guys today. I'm ready to dive into God's Word. What about you? Yeah, go ahead and get your Bibles open to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, and hold yourself, hold your place there. We're going to be coming back to that uh, quite a bit today. I uh, just want to let you know that it has been a roller coaster. I, I mentioned this this last Sunday over the past couple of weeks, a few weeks, for my family and I with my dad's passing, but I just want to thank you because you guys made this uh, so, um, so good for me and for my family, uh, for Rebecca and I. It's, it was just very, your, your, your text messages and your, just your, your gifts and meals and, and cards, it really, really meant the world. Sometimes you don't think that stuff means very much, but telling you it does and it has and I'm just very very grateful to all of you so thank you guys very very much for all of that well if you've ever had a promise or a dream or something like that that you feel it's it's happening and it's it's right there in front of you and then all of a sudden it's like snatched away you're kind of like what's going on here has that ever happened to you guys yeah, it, I mean, it happens to us. And in fact, we're a lot of people right now, I'm, I'm talking to, to, to so many of you in the congregation, as well as just people all over the place, just really dealing with, and again, kind of just struggling with, oh my goodness, I, I just feel so frustrated because what was happening isn't happening, or, or I don't feel God right there with me, or I, uh, the miracle that I expected seems to not be happening. Well, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you directly today. Maybe God healed you, but you're sick again. Maybe you s- started this miracle business and God put it all together. Then all of a sudden, everything now looks like it's just kind of disintegrating and falling apart. You know what I'm talking about? See, God worked a miracle and it's wonderful, but now the miracle feels retracted. What are you going to do? And that's my big question to you today. So my, my message title is a little fun today, and, and, and I want you to write this down. My message title is this, That's All Right, Everything is All Right. Just, just write that down. That's all right, everything is all right. Now, I, I, no, no, don't criticize it yet. Do not criticize it. This is actually 100% biblical, and you're going to see it. You're going to feel it today. Uh, in fact, I want you to repeat this. Just, just say it out loud. Just say it out loud. Come on. That's all right. Everything is all right. Now, some of you had trouble saying that because you're like, but I know better. <laughs> Come on. Say it. That's all right. Everything is all right. You're going to learn to say that today because saying that is speaking with words of faith. Now, I know it's a strange title, but you will get it here in just a minute. But first of all, I I just want us to remember that we are in a new season. There is a new season in the church. There's a new season that's upon us. We have all felt it. We've all felt it. Uh, This is part of what's happening in this season in the church. As I actually, I began talking about this back in back in March. 
Uh, in fact, I remember it was the first Sunday of March of being talking about this, even before all the shutdown stuff happened of last year, and still talking about it today. But I want you to hear me because this is real. This is real. This is a new season. It's a season of refining for the church, the body of Christ. And what God is doing during this season is he is preparing us. He is, he is allowing us to shift. He's allowing us to make changes in our lives, the way that we do things, because I believe there's a time coming up in the future where we're going to see miracles. There's going to be just massive salvation. Discipleship is going to expand and increase like never before. It's going to be a powerful work of God that works through the church and through individuals who walk through this season with faith and allow themselves to be refined. That's what I'm excited about because I'm all in. You, you, you've, you've probably heard this little statement, seeing is believing, right? Well, that's f- a false statement. I, I used to live in Missouri, and, and they called it the show me state. And, and I, I, was, I was pastoring up there for several years, and, and I was preaching a message about faith, and, and uh, that, that, you know, we, we don't have to, you just don't believe in what you see. You have to believe it. I mean, you, you have to believe it before you see it. And and uh, I had someone come up to me and says, well, I don't agree with that because our state motto here in Missouri is, does anyone know the state motto of Missouri is? It's called the show me state. You show me and then I'll believe. And I said, well, that, that's a nice little motto, but it's actually contrary to the word of God. And so they argued with me. Like, come on, dude, a state motto, if it's, if it doesn't, if it's against the word of God, that's a dumb state motto. Let's just, let's just call it what it is, all right? I love people from Missouri. If you're from Missouri, God bless you. God bless you. You know, if you're from Missouri, God bless you. I know y'all are from Missouri, but it's a dumb state motto because it actually goes in contrast. I had the hardest time pastoring people there because they believed in the motto more than they believed in the word of God. And, and not everyone, but some did. Now, I'm glad we're in Texas here, so we don't believe that. Because we live by faith, not by sight. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. If you memorize anything today, get this. We live by faith, not by sight. Now, I want to break this down for just a second because... Most versions of the Bible say we walk by faith and not by sight. And they they put the word walk in place of live. But the truth is, both the words walk and live are fully accurate. You see, what this means is we walk by faith as we're living our lives in accordance with this uh, consistent, confident belief in God's promises. So it's walking, it's living. It's just, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep walking by faith, not by what I see, not by what my senses tell me. That is for us today. We, we, we have to begin to turn off what's going on around us and quit letting our senses be so stimulated with everything around us and instead begin to engage faith. Now, in your life, the steps that you take or the steps you don't take, if they are being dictated by what you see around you, then what's happened is your faith has shrunk. The effect of that on your life is you're going to feel fearful. You're going to feel downcast. You're going to feel uh, sluggish. You're going to feel victimized. And I'm going to challenge you today to stop with the downcast soul. 
Lift up your head. Stop drooping. Stop acting sluggish like a car that's gotten bad gas put into it, where you're just, you know, you've, you've had bad gas in your car, haven't you? <laughs> Come on, walk and live by faith. See, faith is what's going to get you through. And not only walking and living by, but part of it is also speaking words of faith, even in what looks like a death situation. See, your miracles are dependent upon your ability to keep walking and living by faith instead of what you're seeing right in front of you. All right, you got your Bibles and open to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, I hope. I want you to look at this. You're going to have to follow along with me, so I need you to follow along with me in your Bibles today. This is a story of Elisha. He is the successor of Elijah, Elisha, just because it says Elisha. This is not a girl, okay? Uh, this, is, this is a dude. This is a man, and he was a, he was a man who, who followed the ministry of Elijah. He assisted him. He served him, and after it was all over with, God gave him a double portion, a double anointing of what Elijah had. So he was the successor. He came after Elijah. So Elisha was, was a minister. He was a prophet, what was called in those days a prophet, and he did ministry throughout the northern kingdom of Israel. And, uh, and he learned all about these words, that's all right, everything's going to be all right. He did, he learned it, and he got it. All right, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, I'm going to introduce you just to a few characters in this story. This is good, this is good. Okay, 2 Kings 4, verse 8, he says, on one, one day, Elisha went to Shunem. Shunem, that's a little town. And a well-to-do woman was there, and we're going to find out this well-to-do woman in this scripture is referred to as the Shunammite. Can you say Shunammite? Shunammite. Shunammite. That's kind of like a Fort Worthian, a Shunammite, okay? Or if you live in Benbrook, a Benbrookian, or a Lake Worthian. Okay, here we go. So one day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. It's kind of real interesting because that's that community, that village still exists today. It's, uh, it's actually called Sulem. It's, it's kind of funny through the years. I guess people kind of slurred it and they kind of kept slowly changing it. The name evolved, but it went from Shunem to, to Sulem. And similar for, uh, I think that's pretty good for 3,000 years. It didn't change too much. But, but what this lady did is she offered a single act of kindness and generosity. But her single act of kindness and generosity grew into a regular ministry. I, okay, let me just warn you right today, right up front. There are a lot of messages for us in this passage of Scripture. So you're just, I, I prayed before this message, let, let God just speak to you regarding the specifics of what you need to be getting out of this. But one of the things right here is that some of the little things that you're doing, it's about to grow into a regular, consistent ministry, and it's going to begin to, begin to grow, and it's going to be a good thing. Let it happen. Let it happen. Okay, so, so she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. So, so you see this hospitality anointing is on this Shunammite lady, and she convinced her husband to remodel the house for him. Pretty cool deal, isn't it? So, okay, and then it says, 
then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elijah came, he went up to his room and he laid down there. Okay, so now you see how the ministry has expanded from a single meal at the beginning of this passage to now they're basically running a B&B for the prophet. And, and Elijah is there, but Elijah also, I'm about to introduce you to another character, he has this assistant who is with him. See, Elijah, Elisha, so Elisha was the assistant to Elijah, and now Elisha has an assistant, and that assistant's name is Gehazi. So Gehazi travels with him, he's there with him the whole time, and so, so in verse 12 it says, he said to his servant Gehazi, so he's laying down on the bed, hey, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? So, so what's getting ready to happen here is there's a setup. God is about ready to bless this woman because she blessed Elisha, but not only Elisha, but also Gehazi. Because she was blessing, God is about ready to bless her. So Elisha's trying to figure out what's the best kind of blessing that, that she could have. And please know this, there are blessings in store for you because of the works that you've been doing. Use your gifts. Keep using your gifts. God has blessings in store for you. Now, we don't use our gifts to get the blessings, but when you use your gifts, you're going to get blessings. God, that's simply his nature. Okay, now look on. She says, she replies to them, well, I have a home among my people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, she has no son, for her husband is old. All right, that's the bullseye right there. Obviously, uh, you know, a much older man saw this, this beautiful young girl and got married to her. So they're, they're having this, this relationship, but there's no children at all. And she needs a son. It, it's important because if a person is going to carry on their family, if family property is even going to be handed down, if there's going to be any type of a future in that culture, there had to be a man. There had to be a male. There had to be a son. When there was no son in a family, it basically meant the end of the family line. So in this case, she had no son. She had none. Now, it doesn't say, I mean, she may have had daughters or something, but there was no son. All right, verse 15, look at this. Then Elisha said, call her. So we called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. Now, he's, what he's doing here is he's prophesying a blessing. She says, no, my Lord, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. Of course, she knows the natural. She knows that this is probably isn't going to happen in the natural. She felt like it was too good to be true. Hear me, guys. Miracles are in store for you. There are some that, that may seem too good to be true, but don't, don't deny it. See, God is watching your faithfulness, and God is eager to bless you because of your faithfulness. Where have you been faithful? Where have you seen like a small thing continue to grow and grow and grow? God wants to bless you for your faithfulness. He's eager to bless you much more than you can even imagine. But look, let's look at verse 17. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. 
See, God loves to work miracles for his children. He sees how you've served him, and he, uh, he sees how you've been blessing his work, and he wants to bless you. Blessings come back on you. This is a principle from God's word. Okay, now things are about to shift. Look at verse 18. It says, the child grew. We don't know quite what age the child was, but it wasn't a he wasn't a teenager yet because he continues to be called a child. So that would, mean, would have meant he was under the age of 12. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. <clears throat> his father told a servant, hey, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. Okay, the blessing all of a sudden feels torn away. Can any of you feel that? She went up and laid, with, laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. There are several acts of faith that she takes which are real important for us. And the, really, the first act of faith I see right here is she simply took the, took the child, put the child on the bed of the prophet, and that's basically what she was doing. She was wanting to get this child close to God's anointing. Because especially during that time, during that time period, there were places where God did certain things. There were specific places, and she knew this was a place. So she put the child there. But then it says she shut the door, and she went out. So the, ba- so the little boy is on Elisha's bed, verse 22. She called to her husband, okay, look at this, and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and then return. Okay, here's the second act of faith. She is wanting to go to the prophet. The little son is up there. She's going to go to the prophet. Now, her husband says, why go to him today, he asked it's not the new moon or the Sabbath. Of course, he's an older guy, so he's going, why, why go to him today? It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. All right, what did she say? What did she say? What did she say? That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Look at the person next to you say, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That, is a, that is a weird answer. She's not responding to him. She's not responding to him with anything of substance. She's just saying, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That was her next act of faith. She didn't even tell him what was going on. She's just like, eh, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Are, are some of you ready to start saying, that's all right? That, 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 that's all right. That's all right. She didn't start speaking about death. See, there will always be people who will question your sanity of depending upon God and depending upon the people of God. And like, what are you doing? Why are you always going to church? Or why are you going to those prayer meetings? Or why do you do all this? It's not Easter or Christmas. Come on. And what are you going to say back to them? That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. You can even say it like that. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. And just let it go. Okay, look, we keep reading. It says, she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Now this was her fourth act of faith. 
she's saying, she's telling the servant, I want you to, I, I don't want you to slow down. We're going to keep pressing forward. We're not going to let, she, she's, she's even telling herself, because she's not told anyone else what's going on. It's like, I'm not going to let my current despair cause me to sulk. I am going to get in a position of going for the miracle. Mount Carmel was about 20 miles away on a donkey. This would have taken three to four hours. And so here she is on the donkey, three to four hours, she's on her way. It's kind of like driving from one end of the Metroplex to the other when it's, it's bumper to bumper traffic. So here she goes, and it says, when he saw her, now this is Elisha, when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? And what does she say? Everything's all right. Everything is all right. Everything is all right. Everything is all right. Are you getting this? Everything is all right. Now she said it. That's all right. Everything is all right. That's all right. Everything, come on, say it with me. That's all right. Everything is all right. Think about that situation that looks desperately horrible for you. And look at it and just say, that's all right. Everything is all right. This is her fifth act of faith. She is walking by faith, not by what was blaringly obvious. Her son's pulse had stopped as, he, as she was holding him. He died. He died. But her words continued to echo faith. That's all right. Everything's going to be all right. Keep reading. It says, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet, which at that time would have been inappropriate. So Gehazi came over to push her away. I think it'd be inappropriate. Oh, some, someone comes to grab my feet. It's like, stop it. <laughs> That's just weird. But Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. So she speaks now. She said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Some of you feel like that right now. Here I am. What's going on? Why were my hopes up and things were looking like they were moving in that right direction and now everything is just not there for me. But you see, that's all Elisha needed to hear. He knew there was a problem. And really, even by that, this is the sixth act of faith that I see by her. As she didn't come to him and start saying, my son is dead, it's all over, look what you did to me. She said something different, but she didn't start complaining. In fact, she has never even said, my son is dead at all. She knows it. She, she was there when the child died. <laughs> but she goes to him, still with this attitude of, it's all right, everything is all right. She goes with that attitude, but she's distressed. And the truth is, she does feel hopeless. Keep looking on here. So Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and Run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. 
lay my staff on the boy's face. So this understanding that Gehazi was probably a bit more nimble than Elisha at this point. He says, let's get him in contact with the anointing as quickly as possible. Take my staff, which, which was representative of God's anointing authority. It was that, that, that authority of God was represented by the staff of the prophets. So take this and go lay it on his face. So <laughs> keep in mind, this is about 20 miles away. So it's almost like a marathon. These guys were fit. I mean, guys, I was in shape. Uh, so he takes off. And the Shunammite woman stays there with Elisha as he's running on the way. Says, but the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. She's talking to Elisha. So Elisha got up and he followed her. Basically, she clung to the miracle worker. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because Elisha was a prophet. He was the miracle worker, but she went to him at Mount Carmel, which was the place of miracles. There's a, <clears throat> there's a lot of history about Mount Carmel. That's the place where Elijah had the showdown with the, with the uh, prophets of Baal. Do you remember that? When he, when he created this altar and poured all this, this water over it. He said, Who, whichever God answers by fire is the real God. And God performed a huge miracle there. So that was a well-known place of a place of miracles. So it's very likely that's why Elisha would go back to that place and that would be a place where even possibly miracles would be dispensed. It would be a place where, where people would come and they and they would receive special miracles through the prophet now again this is old testament it worked a little different than it does now but it's important to understand she went to the place of miracles and she went to the miracle worker elisha okay now let's stop here for just a second because things have changed as a uh, because of the new covenant the new testament that's actually good for us that's actually very, very good for us. Elisha, again, was an Old Testament prophet. The Old Testament prophets, their, their, uh, their anointing was to boldly proclaim God's word. Mo- most of the Old Testament prophets did not have miracle ministries that was associated with them, but they boldly proclaimed God's word. That's what it meant to be a prophet. Uh, but, but this ministry was only available to a select few, so that just a few people could do this. Now, today... Because of what Christ has done, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, there's something very different. We have these things called gifts of the Spirit, and they're given to all of us, all right? I want to talk to you very quickly about this, because what God has done is God has taken the anointings that were once upon just the prophets, and he has now disseminated them to the body of Christ. So the ministry opportunities are are all around us, not only for you to minister, but for you to receive ministry. Now, there are, there are the nine gifts of the Spirit. First of all, there's the category of the discerning gifts, and these are gifts of revelation, so it's the, it's the power to know. So it's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. There's also the second category of, of gifts of the Spirit, which we call the dynamic gifts. These are gifts of power. It's the power to do something. So it's, it's faith, workings of miracles and gifts of healing and then the third category of gifts of the spirit which are available to the body of christ it's the declarative gifts so these are gifts of inspired utterance it's the power to speak so it's prophecy tongues and interpretation of tongues and god scripture tells god distributes these as as he pleases but we're also told that we are to desire the greater gifts and god will fulfill our desires pretty cool isn't it okay 
(laughs) You don't have to be the special prophet Elisha sitting on Mount Carmel in order for God to work through you. This is the new covenant, guys. The church, God has put his power in the church, and it, when we come together, there's an explosion of power because one person has one gift, another has another, another has another. And when we come together, these gifts are apparent, they're obvious, and they are to be used within the body of Christ. Now keep in mind, there are the two parallels here. She went to the place of miracles, which was Mount Carmel. But the place of miracles now is wherever God's people assemble. Understand this. It's wherever God's people assemble. So when we get together, when we come together, when we cluster together, when we assemble together, it becomes the place of miracles. It's not simply a specific location. So it's not, again, Mount Carmel anymore. It's wherever God's people get together, which means it is here and it is now. Do you, do you hear that? It is here and it is now. She went to the person of anointing, which was Elisha, but now that really represents the body of Christ because we have the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm so glad for the body of Christ. So you don't have to just hunt down the one person. Miracles and prayer for miracles, miracles will happen and prayers for miracles will be answered when we begin to call on God in that atmosphere and when the body of Christ is present. That's why at the close of service today, I want you to begin thinking, what is that miracle? What is that thing that you feel like is dead and that you need, you needs to to see it simply turned around we're gonna be praying we're gonna pray together for that right here and right now it's time to lift your countenance it's time for you to just to begin saying it's all right everything is all right it's all right and you're gonna begin to call on God but the interesting thing is this woman she was saying those things the whole time as she was in pursuit of the miracle she wasn't sitting back in her room crying it's all right now she wouldn't have gotten a miracle that way she, her son, I'm just telling you, her son's going to get raised from the dead. Okay, I'll just, I'll just tell you the, 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 the end of the story. But there would be no miracle if she was just sitting around, well, it's all right, everything's all right, everything's okay. No, she was saying that as she was pursuing the miracle. That's what God tells us to do. That's why he says we walk by faith, not by sight. We keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Some of you, you feel like your feet are stuck in the ground. They're stuck and you can't move anymore. No, pick that foot up and take another step. Take another step and don't slow down. It's all right. Everything is all right. And you need to keep moving forward. All right, look at verse 31. It says, Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face. But there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. So he went back, met him somewhere halfway. But when Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. It's the first time that we see it saying that he's dead. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. So Gehazi and Elijah begin praying, okay? So they, they, this, there's something interesting here as well. Your first attempt may not actually turn the situation around. They took the staff, put it on the boy's face. Obviously, that was a miracle that had worked many times in the past, but it didn't work this time. Sometimes what works in the past isn't going to work now, but you keep pressing forward. So Elisha and, and Gehazi, they're in there praying, and they're praying, and they're praying. Come on, God. Come on, God. Work a miracle. Come on, God. Work a miracle. Because prayer is actually the key to, to reviving those miracles. Prayer is actually the key to seeing new life breathing into your situation. 
says, then he got on the bed and laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. So obviously at this point, the boy's body was stiff and cold. I had a friend uh, who years ago was in Russia. He's a missionary, and he was in, a, in an event where they, about 5,000 people were present in this huge auditorium, and some of the communists came in and brought a, uh, a dead body and said, your God isn't real, and it was a bloated, dead, stiff body <laughs> that they had dug up out of, a, out of a graveyard and said, if your God is real, bring this man back to life. And he told the story. He was trembling as he told me because he said, I'm, I'm just back in the States and I've not even told anybody this. But he explained how, how they, he and the other ministers around began praying and praying and praying and praying. But one of the first things that he felt as he was touching the man's hands, he began to feel the body growing warm. Like, wow. So that was already a little sign. But see, he didn't come to, he didn't come to life immediately. It actually took quite a bit of prayer. Just like in this situation. All of a sudden, the boy didn't just, boom, hey, guys. No, his body slowly started warming up. I'm so glad Elisha did not abandon the situation right there. He could see a glimmer of hope, but the boy still wasn't breathing. The boy wasn't alive. Keep looking on. It says, then he got on the bed and lay on the boy mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and stretched himself out on him. The boy's body grew warm. It says, Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room. Like, okay, <laughs> come on, God. Some of you are right there. Right now, you're just pacing. You're just pacing. You're just walking around. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here because this is, this is not the way it was supposed to turn out. You're just pacing, but just stick with it. Stick with it. Then he got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. And then the boy sneezed seven times, and he opened his eyes. And Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. And when she came, he said, Okay, take your son. Nice and calm, casual. Take your son. Go ahead and take him. Go ahead and take him. You see, there was huge opposition. Huge opposition that was happening here. But there was also a huge miracle. Huge miracle. In this new season that we are in, church, only our faith is going to move us forward to receive huge miracles. I believe God has huge miracles in store for every single one of us. I don't really care. We can't look at what you might see or feel regarding what's going on around you or in your own life or what's happening to you emotionally. Because great opposition always creates the atmosphere for the greatest miracles. It does. I mean, it might look like all the cards are stacked against you and there's no way you could ever win, but the battle is not your battle, it is God's battle. Your faith will open the door for God to work. The word of God spoken to you, though, must be spoken through you. Spoke it, speak it through you. The, the woman's child was raised from the dead. It was. The little boy was raised from the dead, 
But what was happening is she was calling things that were not as though they were the whole time. Everything's all right. Come on, that's all right. Everything is all right. And that is a critical lesson for us today because discouragement is trying to destroy believers. And I'm asking you to be strong and say, I'm not going to cave into that. That's all right. Everything is going to be all right as you pursue the miracle. You need to start saying it out loud. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's not about, not that you're ignoring what you see around you, <laughs> no, but it's not putting your faith in what you see around you. Now, there's another passage of Scripture here. I want you to look at this verse. It's in uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. I'd love it if you would turn to that. Isaiah chapter 40, 29 takes us, uh, just, just speaks this, this powerful little potent word here. In fact, there are a few verses in there in Isaiah 40 that are powerful, but Isaiah 40, 29 says this, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Now, if you mark in your Bible, I want you to underline the word strength and power, okay? First of all, this, this, this is written to you because if you're weak, if you're discouraged, if you're frustrated, what it's saying is God has strength and power that he wants to give to you. Hey, your 2020 was tough enough, right? And some of you now, I, I, I warned you about this. Like, don't, don't think going into the new year means everything's going away because the intensity is still going to be there. You're going to have plenty to deal with. And turning right around to my 2021, all of a sudden I'm dealing with my father passing. And, and, and I'll tell you, I just, I, I've had a few days where I feel so sad and discouraged. And, and you know, maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe with family or with your business or with your ministry or even your physical body. But, but, but listen, when you can't go on, God will strengthen you. But it has to come through him. Okay, let's break, break Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 down just a little bit. First of all, it says he gives strength to the weary. You see that word strength? That is the Hebrew term atzma. Atzma. And that means powerfulness, which I didn't even know was a word, but my grammar check did not check it, so I was like, that must be a word. Powerfulness and abundance. So, so the strength that is spoken of here, which God gives you, it's not like an energy drink. It doesn't just hype you up. It's not like a five-hour that you're going to make yourself all of a sudden feel better. No, no. Since this comes from God, what it is, it's supernatural strength. It's supernatural power. It is also supernatural abundance. That's what this means. Now, verse 29 also says that he increases the power of the weak. I told you to underline that word power. That's important because that word power is the Hebrew term koach. Now, that means force, ability. It's, it's, it's like the force or ability that Samson had. Many of you know the story of Samson. It's this inner force that helps you to take action like Samson did against the Philistines. In Judges chapter 16, verse 5, it says that, that, uh, that Samson's strength or his power was in his hair. Now, that's that same word that's being used there, that Hebrew term koach, which means the supernatural strength was dwelling in him so that he could take action when he needed to take action against the Philistines. Even though you may feel weak, there's supernatural power in you. That, that's, that's potent right there. 
Interestingly enough, that term koach, it also means something else. It, it also even refers to your finances. Did you know that? It speaks of your wealth. So that God will give you, God will do koach, which is that power. He will give you power through your finances to work miracles. That's found in Ezra chapter 2, verse 29, also, Ezra 2, 69, and also in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 10. But that God will empower your finances even for part of the miracle. So here's, here's what this is saying, is when you're overtaken with weakness, God is there to increase your koach, which is that, that power, power. Because Jesus said this, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things, and all means all. You don't need to break that one down. But, but we are the body of Christ, so we need each other to bring it to pass. That's why I encourage you, surround yourself who simply believe that all things are possible with God. You Really, you, this year, a priority of yours should be to find four or five people who believe this. I'll tell you, for me, I don't want to be around impossibility people. People who are always down and pulling others down around them. They're negative and critical. <laughs> I can spend a little time with the person encouraging them, but I'm not going to hang out with you very long if you're like that. I love you, but I'm not going to hang out very long because I don't want that rubbing off on me, you see? I'm just telling you guys, this is the season. Distance yourselves from the critical, the negative, the pessimistic. Love them, but distance yourselves. Some of you need to start screening your friends. Just ask them a question. Here's a good question to ask them. Do you believe all things are possible with God? Do you believe all things are possible with God? Well, no, I I just don't. Okay, all right. You're a lower level friend. Just do what you need to do. Come on, guys. And start just walking toward your miracle saying, that's all right. Everything is all right. That's all right. Everything. That's, that's speaking with eyes of faith. It's time that we get out of survival mode. God is, is working on his church in this season. He is taking us through a, a, a very tight season so that we, can, we will not just function in survival mode. We are going to start operating with eyes of faith, with words of faith. Stop letting uh, uh, your belief be based upon what you see and what you hear around you. The world is out of control. The focus of the world is theft, death, and destruction. And I'm telling you guys, that is the work of hell. And the, the job of the church is to purge unbelief from our hearts and our minds so that we can open up to the power of God, the will of God, the word of God. Because if you keep focusing on what you're seeing and hearing around you, and even what you're feeling, if you're trusting your senses, your faith life will not flourish in this season. I challenge you, bust out of it. Engage a vision for your your life this year of walking by faith walking by faith run to the place of miracles run to the body of Christ where the gifts of the spirit are evident and where they're working and with this attitude while you're running while you're doing it saying that's all right everything is all right come on say it with me that's all right everything is all come on say it again that's all right everything is all right would you just bow your heads all across this room If you're watching online, I want you to listen to me as well. First of all, if you're here, if you are here, you're hearing my words and your life is not in alignment with Christ. If you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, now is the time to give your life to Jesus. And I'm going to make a call. I'm going to encourage you to give your life to Christ right here, right now. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray these words with me. 
engage your faith. Believe in what you cannot see. You can't understand it, but God is about to wipe away the sin of your life, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation. He's going to take it away. Would you right now just make the choice that you're going to pray this prayer and you're going to make it. You're going to make it the prayer of your heart. Pray it with me online. Pray it with me in the e-community and in this room. And church, I want you to pray this also as an encouragement to others around you who are praying this prayer and and, and giving their lives to Christ right now. Pray Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I choose to become a new creation I put the past behind me, and I embrace the future that you have for me, a future of life, a future of hope, a future of joy. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.